There's never just two sides to a sports issue. Welcome to Three Sides Sports Welcome everyone to Three Sides Sports Talk. Today, we're going to talk about a little Debo Samuel drama that continues, get into the first round of the NFL draft, plus some things that are going to shake out over the next seven days, both about the Niners, the draft, Debo. So let's just jump right into it. Jerry, I didn't think there was going to be a bigger issue on the table than Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason, and I think I'm wrong as we enter the third week of the Debo Samuel drama. So give me your take on what's happened. Well, dude, you know, I always felt this Debo thing was going to be an issue after the wide receiver market exploded this offseason. So here's what I think happened. I think Debo believed that after being such an uh, integral part of the Niners' success and after take, turning into this do-it-all wide back, that he was officially part of the elite club of players in the NFL and that he was going to get paid like one. But when the Niners' initial offer fell short of expectations, it was not only disappointing for Debo, but I bet he felt a little bit betrayed as well. Because after all, he was a leader on the team. He supposedly, he supposedly tight with Kyle Shanahan, and he views himself as this great wide receiver who also has this added dimension that, um, you know, carried the Niners to the playoffs last year. Now I'm sure the Niners recognize all this, but since it was only a one year breakout season and since Debo's production was split between wide receiver and running back, I'm guessing the Niners didn't offer him top dollar. Cause as we all know, running backs are nowhere near the top of the food chain in terms of getting paid. So while Debo thought that his versatility should have vaulted his value ahead of even the top wide receivers, it's actually complicated or even hindered his contract situation. So now he's probably like, screw it. Maybe he doesn't want to have those dual roles anymore. If it's not going to land him the big payday he expected, especially since he's, you know, had to take all this extra pounding as a running back. But unfortunately for Debo, that's exact, that exact ability, you know, to be a versatile chess piece who can create mismatches, that's what really defines his current value. So if the Niners aren't offering the contract he wants as a wide back, they most certainly aren't going to do so if Debo's relegating himself to just being a receiver only. So I think that's where they stand with this conundrum, and that's why Debo decided to pull the plug on negotiations and ask for a trade. Well, let's get into a couple of those things, because today there was a report from uh, Ian Rappaport on the Pat McAfee show that Debo basically told the Niners, I want to be traded. Don't make me an offer. Don't bother making me an offer. So do you think there was an offer? So do you think there was an offer made? That was low, and that is part of it? Or, you know, do you think, do you believe that this report is more or less true that Debo basically said, don't make me an offer because I want to be traded? And did he, or did the inform the, did 
the appearance on Pat McAfee's show. Was that what did you say? Who what was it? Yeah. It was Ian Rappaport. Ian Rappaport. Did he explain beyond him, beyond Debo just saying, well, just don't, don't make me an offer. Just trade me. Like that doesn't make any sense after everything that the team had gone through after everything we heard from Debo last season, like what, what caused this, uh, what, what caused him to change his mind? So, so suddenly, I mean, did he, did he go into that at all? Or was it just, no, just Debo just said, I don't want to even, I don't even want an offer. Uh, basically the, the question was because there was a report earlier in the week that the Niners had offered Debo a contract in the $19 million range. Mm-hmm. And so Pat McAfee asked, was that offer made? And Rappaport said, no, no, no offer was made before Debo said, I want to be traded. Don't bother making me an offer. So just, you know, it's, it's another twist in the situation because all along I was under the impression, similar to I think what you were talking about, that Debo was expecting a monster, monster contract and didn't like and felt disrespected by the initial offer that the Niners put out there, which led down this road of scrubbing the Instagram account and and and, and feeling that he wasn't being respected and it wasn't being given his worth, that type of thing. So, so do you think the offer was made or do you, do you believe this part that no offer was made and Debo has other reasons? It, it's not a money thing. Well, so first of all, you remember that tweet that came out, I believe from Debo himself saying that the only three parties who know what's really going on are obviously Debo himself, his agent, and the Niners. So for Ian Rappaport to come out with this, I'm not sure I buy it because I think it always comes down to money, right? And yes, sure. As we all know, priorities can change once you have kids, because I know there was also a report out there that said that perhaps Debo has suddenly wanting wanted to play closer to home where his son lives in Carolina. Um, you know, but I'm still of the belief that all of this drama came down to money um, because, I mean, we'd heard his buddy Ricardo Young tweeting that 25 mil a season. That's what Debo wanted. Right. And there was also Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star Telegram reporting that Debo aimed to be the highest paid non quarterback in the league. So, yeah, I, I really don't think this is all about, you know, not wanting to be in California or wanting to be closer to home, nor do I think this is even about his usage, you know, and not wanting to be a wide back necessarily, because I know that was bandied about. Um, you know, like I said, I think this about money and, and, you know, maybe even a little distrust because I think Debo thought the Niners would just take care of him. No questions asked. Um, but not only did that not happen, but then, you know, you had Adam Schefter come out with his report that this is all on Debo because the Niners are ready to pay him, almost making Debo seem like he's the bad guy. You know, so I don't I don't think it's a coincidence that when Debo did come out with his announcement of asking for a trade that he spoke with Jeff Darlington of ESPN, not Adam Schefter. Let me throw some other things at you. Um, 
because as we talked about last podcast, if you were being recruited, obviously California is the place you want to be like the Beverly Hillbillies. Um, California is not the place that Debo wants to be now. Any, I mean, put, okay. Let's assume for a second. That's true. There are many reasons. It could be the fact that he'll get taxed significantly in California or a number of other States opposed to Texas or Florida, or, or, you know, he'd have more real money on that contract. California is not the worst place to be weather-wise. We all agree and understand that. But And this is a, a guy from South Carolina, right, and trains down in Miami. He even went so far as to say he doesn't like California so much. He won't even come train with Trey Lance in Southern California, you know, that if Trey wants to throw with him, Trey's got to come to Florida. So put yourself in Debo's shoes as best you can. Are those legitimate reasons to push for a trade or are those the type of things that money will heal? If, if given enough, uh, we'll live in California and, you know, we'll make some other place our off season home. Yeah. Look, you know, as you said, I'm a West Coast guy. And if I were in his shoes, yeah, obviously I would rather train on the West Coast. But if I had a brand new quarterback who was going to be our franchise quarterback, and let's say he said, hey, I'm going to be training in Miami, I think I can find, I can carve out a week or whatnot to fly out to Miami and go train with him. Like, I don't understand this aversion to training with Trey Lance just because he's doing it in Southern California. It doesn't make any sense to me. Because, especially because this whole idea of, hey, trade me, it's not like he's saying or he can dictate being traded to Miami or maybe even Carolina. Like, what if the Niners said, what if the Niners acquiesced to Debo's trade request, but then they traded, he traded him to New York? I mean, the taxes there aren't exactly cheap either, right? Yeah. So, I think, like, like I said, I think it just boils down to money. I think it boils down to the fact that the Niners came in with what he perceived to be a low ball offer and he felt underappreciated and combine that with the fact that he does. I mean, the team that would employ him is in California, which means that he would be text ha- heavily. I think that all sort of weighed into this decision of, you know, asking for a trade. Let me throw another thing at you, that that being his usage, because the thing that made Debo as valuable as it did last year was his versatility, was the fact that he carried so often, the fact that he had more rushing touchdowns from beyond 20 yards than anyone in the NFL. You know, he had more rushing touchdowns than receiving touchdowns. Um, that's what makes him Debo. That's what makes him so valuable, right? So if... If he went to, if, if he's under the impression that, look, I don't want to do that. That's going to shorten my career, which everyone kind of agrees. Yeah, you cannot take that kind of pounding. You cannot be a wide receiver most plays, but 10 plays a, a, a game, you're going to be pounding it between the tackles and just, you know, getting crunched like a running back. So if he went and said, hey, Kyle, John, I, I don't want to be this wide. I want to be a wide receiver. Okay, even if they said okay to that, wouldn't that lower his value monetarily? Because he wants to be paid 
like a Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, whomever. But the reason those guys have got their huge contracts is because they've produced 12, 13, 1,500 yards routinely throughout their career. And Debo put up a great year this year. But if I'm Parag or John or Hutt and and I cut and Debo comes in and says, hey, I want to be paid, I want to be paid like a wide receiver. Okay, Debo, then let's let's take all of your wide receiver stats and match them up and we will pay you accordingly. And at that point, he's not one of the top wide receivers out there. So again, nothing has come out from Debo or, or everyone's just guessing, but isn't that part of the strategy too is he is he's worth so much. He's worth a Tyreek Hill contract because of his versatility. If he says, hey, I don't want to be that versatile. I only want to be a receiver. Okay, well, we're going to have to pay you like just or like a regular good wide receiver, not a top of the line guy. I mean, any, I mean, is that, would that make sense? Well, I think that's the conundrum because he views himself as one of one, one of the most unique players in the league. And because of that, he's not just a wide receiver, right? He's a receiver plus. Whereas I think the way that the Niners view it just from a contractual standpoint is, well, your value is this much as a receiver, but this much as a running back. So therefore, where does your, you know, how, how much money would then that equate to as far as, you know, contracts. And, but like you said, I mean, he gets hit a lot as a, as a running back. And so maybe he does, maybe the people who've been talking to him since the season ended have kind of gotten into his head saying, Hey, you know, you probably don't want to be doing this long-term even though he's the one who really embraced it right during the season. I mean, he was the one during that Cowboys game who told Kyle, give me the ball. I'm going to take this in for a touchdown. Right. And it, you know, and I'm pretty sure by him saying that at the time, it wasn't so much like, Hey, dial up a pass play, <laughs> especially now knowing that Jimmy Garoppolo had a bum shoulder at the time. Right. It was very much a, give me the rock. I'm going to take it in. So, but by doing so, I mean, like, I think Nick Wagner of ESPN said this earlier today that I heard on one of these podcasts was that, Debo Samuel was actually hit on average of eight times a game, which was the most that was taken by any wide receiver in the league because Debo plays that wide back role. So, you know, obviously Debo knows that that can't be sustainable in terms of longevity and the Niners have to know that as well. So I guess, you know, from the Niners standpoint, they don't want to fork over the big time contract because they know that the, the longevity is an issue, but because Debo also knows that longevity is an issue, he wants that big time contract. Right. So that's why I'm saying, I, so I think that is the crux of the issue right now. And, you know, like you mentioned, well, if he doesn't want to, you know, be this kind of wide back anymore, he just wants to be a receiver only. Like you said, I mean, he just simply doesn't have a large enough body of work where Debo has been a dominant wide receiver for him to warrant a contract on the level of a Tyreek Hill or a Stefan Diggs or a Devonte Adams, even though I'm sure in his own mind, he sees himself as just a dominant player. And I guess one of the reasons why he might, you know, take umbrage with the way the Niners are looking at it is the way, because of the way the Niners have looked at a guy like Kyle Juszczyk, right? Kyle Juszczyk is a fullback, 
but he's not just a fullback, right? So, and they don't, and they don't pay him like a traditional fullback because they see him as, Hey, he's a fullback. And then some, right. He's just, I don't know what they call him. I think, did he call him like an offensive weapon or something like that? So I think maybe just from that standpoint, like, Hey, and granted totally different scale. Cause it's not like Kyle Juszczyk is breaking the bank by being kind of overpaid or more, I should say overpaid, but paid more than your traditional fullback. But at the same time that they, they did compensate him more because he does more. And I think that's where Debo's like, look, I'm doing more than the average wide receiver. Isn't this also something that could and should be done at the negotiating table? Couldn't Debo's agent simply go, look, we want, we want a million dollars for every 10 carries this year. Like to essentially protect him. Like if you're going to use me like this, if, you, if you're going to use it, then I want to be compensated like this. Now, if you say, okay, Debo, we're not going to use you. We're just going to, then it doesn't matter. I mean, that's why you put these incentive type clauses in these contracts. You, you give them, you can still give him 19, $20 million. And all of a sudden, if he has 50 carries on the year, because they use him, if they could, because they give him, you know, enough carries per game to make it, not just an unusual play, like it's a regular thing. Well, then he's got five, six million more dollars. I mean, that just seems like a simple negotiating point that could be done because they have them in their clause all the time about amount of catches, number of touchdowns, all those kinds. So you say, okay, hey, my client doesn't want to be a wide back. He wants to be compensated like a wide receiver. Okay. However, if he's not going to dictate the play calling so if you insist on playing him like a wide back we want to be compensated x amount per you know carry or number of yards whatever again this this request of a trade seems seems like there's something else i mean it's it just seems like it's come come out of nowhere kind of in in the standpoint of the Niners have taken care of their guys, usually in June and July, like right before training camp, right? They they have that history. And he went from early in early in the offseason scrubbing his Instagram account to wanting a trade. It's like, what went wrong so quickly? Because it can't seem to be just about the negotiating table unless, unless his ego is that fragile. Well, this is the NFL, and there are a lot of egos involved on both sides. And I understand what you're saying, that this could all be, you know, negotiated um, between the two parties in the way that you outlined. But I don't know if either side would even want that, because then it's kind of like, does that, you know, you were saying, well, you don't want the player dictating the, the play calls. But at the same time, if you're saying okay, well then you have to compensate me for every time I carry the ball or for, you know, if I, if I meet a certain threshold, I don't know if a guy like Kyle Shanahan would want that because I, I mean, would that not, would that make him think twice about, well, I've already, already run him this amount of times. And if we ran, run him even more then we're going to have to pay him this amount. I mean, would they care about that? And I hear what you're saying, but I just don't think Kyle would call a game or a season like that. I don't think he cares what these guys are making in the end. I mean, and I don't think, 
And it's not the type of thing that it's going to break the bank. Like, oh, we cannot afford. I mean, we're talking about incentive packages of one, two, three million dollars. The salary cap's supposed to spike next year, you know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars. So it shouldn't be an issue um, in my mind from, from that standpoint. But clearly there's an issue. And all we keep hearing, we keep hearing rumors. And every now and then Debo will kind of shoot something down via social messaging or, or whatnot. But I mean, we've heard everything from doesn't like California. He won't, you know, which is why he's not training with Trey Lance. Um, It's not about money, but some people are saying, well, money can fix it. And just like those uh, social media posts, like if it's not 25, don't come calling or whatever. So, okay. So if you give you 25, you're good. Like that's that like money can solve it. Um, the personalities all through the season seemed to blend. Debo was one of the team leaders. I mean, he was one of him and Trent Williams were the guys leading the team out of the tunnel. I mean, everyone pretty much agreed. Debo was the de facto leader. You know, he didn't quite have the years of experience under his belt, like a Trent Williams. Um, You know, even, even George Kittle may have a year or two on him, but, Everyone looked to Debo. Debo set the example. Debo exuded toughness, which is a trademark of a Shanahan team and offense. Everyone always talks about they're a tougher team. They're physical. They push people like those. So, again, I have no idea what it could possibly be. So let me speculate about what it could possibly be and go ahead and and shoot, shoot, shoot them down, agree, whatever. But any possibility... Debo has looked at Trey Lance and said, I don't, tr- I don't believe uh, my career is going to go in the way I want it to go if Trey Lance becomes quarterback. I mean, I suppose if it's one of those situations where the Niners weren't going to pay him and they were going to force him to play out this last year of his, you know, the last year of his contract, which what is he making? Probably, you know, penis compared to what he should be making given that he was a second round pick but i mean if the niners are ready to open up the vault you know commit long term what does it matter if if trey lance wasn't that great because i mean let's isn't that great because let's be honest you and i both know what i think about jimmy and what the league thinks about jimmy and it's not like jimmy drove the ball downfield right so I mean, at the very least, how is Debo not going to get his if he continues playing this wide back role? Like, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't be a difference whether it's, you know, Trey Lance under center for, 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 you know, for Debo, that is, whether it be Trey Lance under center or Jimmy Garoppolo under center, unless he's looking at it from the standpoint of, well, I mean, he's not going to have all these intermediate routes anymore that they're going to go deep and that, you know, the, 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 the share of his, the way, however many times he gets to touch the ball will be, have to be split between him and Ayuk and the play calling is going to be different. I don't know. But I, that's why I, I just don't buy into that. I don't buy into his not thinking that Trey Lance is going to be good. I don't buy into any of it other than, other than the almighty dog. So with that said, put yourself in the Niners shoes, front office shoes. What do you do? What are you, what are you, what are you doing in the front? What are you, what are you, Kyle 
and and uh, Parag and John doing at the conference table today? Right. I mean, I think that's the real question, right? At this point, is that do the Niners want to pay Debo a heck of a lot more than they really want to? to keep Debo happy and on the team. Because I know this whole time they've been saying that they expect Debo to be taken care of, but at the same time, I'm sure in their mind, it's on their terms, not his, you know? So are they prepared to up the ante or are they comfortable dealing with a potential malcontent who doesn't want to be there, but may only show up to not get fined, you know, or who knows, maybe Debo pulls a Le'Veon Bell and holds out all season. Because at this point, I you know, who knows what's ha- what's going on in Debo's mind because this seemed to all have come from left field, you know. Anyway, so, I mean, do they want to deal with that possibility? Or do the Niners trade Debo if a team like the Jets make them an offer that they can't refuse? And that's the report, is that the Niners have, would need to be blown away by an offer for Debo, which again, makes sense because Tyreek Hill is a great receiver. Devontae Adams is a great receiver, but you can find receivers. Now you don't know who they're going to be because again, Debo went in the second round, DK Metcalf in the second, like, but there, those guys are more easily replaceable because you're just looking for the skill set of a hardworking wide receiver, good hands, all that type of stuff. Now, people will hit and miss on receivers. I'm not saying it's easy to find a Debo Samuels, or I'm not saying it's easy to find a Tyree Kill, but it's nearly impossible to find a Debo Samuels because, like you said, he is one of one. There aren't wide receivers out there doing what he does. So it makes sense that the Niners would have to be blown away by an offer because even if the Jets came calling with their number 10 pick. Now, the Jets, what it was reported, offered their two second-round picks and like a third or something in the Tyreek deal. So you're talking about number 35, number 38, and number 69. So you're talking two, what is that, two top six picks in the second round and the third rounder for Tyreek Hill. Um, and that didn't get it done. So – if you're the Jets, would you consider changing that up and offering, you know, the number 10 pick? And it well, and before you get to that, you're still in the you're still in the 49ers front office. And you've come to the conclusion that we've got to start fielding offers. What what are your kind of parameters of this is what we need to get? Are you looking at draft picks this year? draft picks this year and next year, give me a player. What, what are your thoughts? Well, like I said last week, I'm not looking to trade Debo just to trade him. I think I mentioned that any deal would have to start with a first and second round pick. Um, and I actually do hope that a team like the Jets who've made, you know, who have trade assets to burn and I would, I believe, are desperate to start winning. Um, you know, that they decide to come in with a really strong offer, strong enough to convince the Niners to make a trade. Because even though it would hurt to lose a player of Debo's caliber, I think turning him into multiple assets is what the Niners need. Um, Because, you know, you look at the situation overall, 
you know, we talked about Trey Lance as the quarterback. And if he is what we believe or what the Niners believe he will be, the Niners won't need to rely on Debo to be the type of do it all player that he was last season. Right. And, um, you know, isn't this also why you have a guy like Kyle Shanahan as your head coach, where his specialty is being able to scheme guys open, regardless of whether he's got a Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk or Jawan Jennings lining up at receiver. Now, of course, there will be nobody to replace a guy like Debo. But we also know that the Niners can only pay either Debo or Ayuk ultimately, right? And so with a quarterback like Lance, I could see Debo and Ayuk being somewhat interchangeable and you've still got Kittle and Jennings. Plus there are also, you know, a number of talented receiving prospects in this draft as well. So, you know, if the Niners are able to procure some high end draft picks in exchange for Debo from the jets, let's say, then the Niners will have the ability to address not only wide receiver, but, other needs as well, which I personally think they have many of. All right. So let me play the, the role of the rest of the NFL and you're the 49ers front office. Jets offer their two number twos and a one next year. Mm. So from what I always hear is that whatever you offer for next year, it's a little bit lower than what it is, right? So for example, a one next year is what? Equivalent to like a two this year? Well, you, you, you're, basically, you're basically projecting because could the Jets go five and 12 next year and be in the top 10 again? Well, that's certainly not a second rounder this year. That's you know right. a big upgrade. Just like the Tyreek Ty- Hill... You know, oh, Tyreek went for a one and a two, but the one is number 29, which is a big difference than, say, the Jets offering number 10 right. or even the Texans offering number 13. So so the Jets come calling and say, we'll give you both number twos this year and our, our first rounder next year. I would need more. I would need more than that. The I Texans- would need more from this year. Okay. That is, that's, and in perspective, that's almost double the compensation that Tyreek got. No, because Tyreek got a whole slew of, uh, the, the, the Dolphins gave a whole slew. They gave up a one. Yep. They gave up a, a two. two. Yep. And how many threes did they give up? None, two none, threes? No threes. Two fours and a two six. Two fours. Okay. So, and the four and the six, one of the fours and one of the six are next year. So, Going by the, gotcha. it's a little bit late. Gotcha. It's like a but also Tyreek Hill's situation is different, right? Because he was a, was he a free agent this or was he like was he like a Devonte Adams situation where they would either have to franchise him or give him a big contract? Wasn't that the reason why the Chiefs ultimately decided we're going to move on? Essentially, yeah. I mean, he was he was in line for a big contract, and when the Devonte right. one trade went down and the chief saw that they said, well, we, we're not, we're not good with paying you that much money. So we're going to move on. So, but I guess what I'm saying is that technically 
Debo still on one more year of his deal and that well, versus versus Tyreek, who was not. He, yes. The Niners technically control him for three years. Right. Because they because they, you can franchise him. You can franchise him for two years. So he plays, he plays out his last year of his rookie deal. You right. franchise your franchise. And that's if he that's obviously if he plays. I mean, if he if he were to sit out, then that that last year was it tolls to the next year. It's not like, oh, I didn't play and I got rid of the year. No, it you've got to play that last year at some point. So I mean, I don't know if right. it gets to, I mean, I think he gets too contentious if it goes down that road, but but that's why going back to the Jets offer, that's why you say you need more. Yes. And I, you know, but the thir- the 35th and 38th pick are worth significantly more than the one, the two, the four, and the six, you know, that the Chiefs got. So you're talking ball, you're talking value-wise close to the same. Now, it, I mean, if is it really a is it a is it gonna push it over the line if they say, okay, and we'll throw in a fifth? Well, I guess for me, I look at this the middle of this draft as something that the Niners could really capitalize and replenish, you know, their their uh, the cupboard as the, as people like to say. So I would I would like to get, you know, at least at least another four, if not a third, right? And I think what what was it that they offered for Tyreek? Was it two two twos and a three? Yes. Yeah. So I would need two those two twos, a three, and I would need next year's one. Yeah, I don't think the Jets. But see, you keep saying that. I remember you're like, I remember when I even first brought up, like, well, how about the 10 and the 35? You're like, oh, there's no way. But that's the thing is that the Niners, nor I, would trade Debo if, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we don't have to trade Debo. Whereas I feel like with Tyreek and with Devontae, but but that's what I'm saying. They were sort of more like, well, we're kind of at that point of I have either we're. You know, we either trade them or we got to sign them and they decide to trade them. But that's what I'm saying is like, we, we know what market value is for the receipt. Like it's right. It's, but this is beyond market value. This but is that's what I'm saying. how but much is like, it worth to the Jets? But that's what that's I'm saying. Two, two twos and a three is market value. That, so two twos, a three and next year's one is so far above market value because again, you're talking about, I mean, the G, I can't see, I, I would not envision the Jets being a 500 team. So you're talking about a top 15 pick next year. And that's what I'm saying. That is so far above. That's like, I mean, it's close, but it's like, there's no way the Jets would give you two, two one this year, two twos and a three. Or a, even a five. They're, that is so far. All right, like, twist my arm. I'll throw in Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So okay, let me. Would okay. So talking about you know again, we're talking about the um, trade market for for these teams. Okay, so so. The Jets two twos and number one doesn't next year doesn't get it done for you, right? So, or you would go the number ten this year, the number no. 30, 38, and then give me a third rounder. I mean, honestly, it's 
I'm not here to give you a good deal. That, and I agree. And that's, I'm the, that, that's the thing, right? And I'm, I'm the here. Jets. That's what I'm saying. I, if I'm the Jets and I came to you with, you know, okay, hey, I'll give you two twos and a number one in, in next year's number one. What's your counter? Like, what, what's your counter offer? That you would throw in a third. So two, two twos, twos, a third, and then I'll, and next year's one. Okay. Okay. Thanks. See you at the draft. No, no, you know, so right. now, now let me be, let me be the Houston Texans. Texans offer a one, a three and a, and a two next year. Their number one, obviously this year sits at 13, right? Their number, their number three sits at 68 or 80. So we'll just cut in half early seventies. And then a two next year. Uh, I will need the two and the three next year. So a one this year's two, next uh-huh. year's two, and a third this year? The, you said a one this year, a third this year, a two and a three next year. That's what you would do? I think so. The reason why the one is so important to me, I mean, particularly this year, is because I feel as though you can do – so many things with that one. You can take a player that you want. You can trade down and accumulate more picks. I feel like the one is is always an important asset to get. Yes, yes. Um, if I'm if I'm if I'm the Texans, I pull that trigger. I would I would give you a one and a three this year and a two and a three next year for Debo. So that would be that would be an acceptable acceptable trade. Uh, on my part for that. Um, another rumored candidate is the Panthers. So let me play the role of the Panthers. I'm giving you a number one. And that's it. This year? Yep. The number six pick? Yep. That's tough. Not tough because I wouldn't take it. Not tough because it's not worth the pick. It's more like the Niners would not want the number six pick. Like they would want to trade down. So I guess they would have, you would have to know whether or not somebody's want to jump in and, and grab like a Malik Willis or one of the defensive ends or one of the offensive tackles. Um, unless the Niners, you know, unless the Niners would want one of those tackles for themselves, I suppose. Um, you know, or the defensive end. So yeah, I guess, yes, I guess I would go give me the number six pick. We'll go with Debo Samuel okay. or better yet. I don't know where um, I don't know what the Niners thoughts are on Brian Burns or what the Carolina Panthers thoughts are on Brian Burns, but maybe you, you know, you swap player for player. I'd be interested in doing that as well, but I don't know. The only reason I mentioned that is because I think I've heard Brian Burns name circulating in potential trade circles, which I'm not sure why, because I think he's, you know, uh, a defensive end on the come, but yes. All right. Another, another team that again, who knows where the rumors come from? Every, every insider and reporter has another team who's interested in Debo. I would imagine 31 teams are interested in Debo, but Apparently some of them rise to the top, you know, because they either fit or, you know, there, there's just some connection. So 
The Detroit Lions were talked about to today as, oh, the Lions would be interested. Now, for the number two pick? No, <laughs> not giving you the number two pick. Now, now my, my thing with the Lions is – Do you, do you, you know, if you, if you're Debo and and you get word like, all right, Hey, we're going to trade you. We're in discussion with the lions. So just pack your, are are you excited about that? I mean, do you go like at that point, do you have second thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's why this whole thing, I have to say it's about money. Why would he want to leave Kyle Shanahan? Forget right, so, about the California thing, right? Yeah, I mean he 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 doesn't like California, so he's willing to go wherever. Where if Detroit, if, he's wherever to means Detroit. Detroit, then oh, uh, oh well. But all right, so you're I'm the Detroit Lions. I'm offering you pick number thirty-two in the first round, number sixty-six, and number ninety-seven. So that's a first two-thirds. And then, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead. The, do they have a second round pick? They do. They have number 34. Okay. So I need the first, the second, a third, and the next year's second. No. Yeah, Detroit would not do that. I mean, they, 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 would have, they would have no picks between two and 97. And they need players. They need players. I'm not um, worried about Detroit, Todd. I'm worried I'm, about the Niners. No, I'm worried about Detroit. I'm playing the role <laughs> of the rest of the NFL. You're playing right. the role of, uh, of the front office. So, But again, what did I say to you at the very beginning? Well, but but here's the, that's what I'm saying. This is the point is, you just like we ha- we're going through this exercise to just consider Lynch and Shannon, and they have to be, look, they may not want to, but they have to be considering it because yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so it's, it's not malpractice to consider to, to field calls. Okay. What do you want? Like, and if you've already put the word out there, like don't come at us with, you know, some trade chart value for what you think Debo, like this is what we need, you know, type of thing. So, so that's exactly what they're doing. And that's why I, that's where I was coming from because if you're the lions and you offer me 32, it's not a first round pick. I mean, yes, technically first round pick, but that's as far as the Niners are concerned, that's a second round pick. Well, but but see, that's right? the thing. It's like then you got to consider, well, Tyreek didn't really get a first. You know, so right, right. That's why that's why you can't say, well, Tyreek got a first, a second. It's like, well, if you're considering 29 in the first, that's why that's why first rounders are all different. Like 32 and 29 are the same. Well, maybe because 32 is the very last pick of the first round. I don't think, I don't know. Maybe when they say 29, yes, it's at the end, but. That's a, that's a super valuable pick because you get that fifth year for your rookie. So whoever you draft, you get five years with them. You don't get the stand, you don't get the four years, which is what this is, which is why you always see teams trying to get into that. Those last couple slots, you know, it's like, well, we're early in the second, but I'd rather get, get up there, get this guy for a nominal more rookie contract, but you get to tack on a whole nother year. So, so that's, that's interesting. So now those are kind of the teams, but let's play this out because if I'm the Niners, 
I need resolution before draft day or on draft day at the latest. Because if you're if you cannot hang on to Debo beyond the draft if you believe and and then trade him. You can't trade him between the draft and the start of the season because obviously that means no picks this year. You're only getting 2023 picks. So you're not benefiting your team you need if you're getting rid of Debo you need to benefit your team this year with picks so we're we're six days away that's got to be the deadline right I mean right yep yep well yes logically but we've talked about deadlines in regard to Garoppolo and well you know (laughs) that didn't exactly work out at the beginning of the offseason and now we have another deadline for, you know, whether or not he's moved or he's cut, you know, during training camp. So we'll see how that works. But yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, yes, logically speaking, with regards to Debo, a deal would have to be struck before the draft or yeah, before the draft. Let me, let me switch it up now. Does Jimmy get traded during the draft? Because again, that's more of a, that's more of a dead that's more of an artificial deadline for any team to decide. We want Malik Willis, or we're going to go Jimmy Garoppolo. We want oh, someone jumped us. You know, if you're the Steelers and you see Willis and, and Pickett go, and you're like, ah, Matt Corral just doesn't do it for me. Let's do this. So again, you're, now we're talking about teams who might think that they're getting a, you know, hey, let's just go draft a guy who might not be there and, oh, shoot, the two guys we wanted are gone. All right, call the Niners, see if we can swing, you know, because for Jimmy, you're talking like a third round or later. So it's not going to affect day one or day two where these guys are going to get their, quote, unquote, rookie franchise quarterback. Yeah, no, I don't see Jimmy traded during the draft. Um. Yeah, because, I mean, all the issues remain. Nothing's changed as far as Jimmy Garoppolo is concerned, right? He's still not able to throw yet, so he won't be available till training camp. And he's got that whatever $25, $26, $27 million salary hanging over his head. So, yeah, I don't don't see that. I don't see a trade happening during the draft. All right. Let's take it away from the Niners. Let's jump right into the first round, or at least the top of the first round of the draft. Today, Trent Baalke told the media they have four guys they're looking at for the number one pick. He didn't name them, obviously, but I guess you can imagine they are the two offensive tackles, Evan Neal and uh, Akem Ekawonu. Um, Aiden Hutchinson and uh, other defensive guy from Trayvon Walker Walker from Georgia. So that's at least the thought process. Okay. If, if you're telling the truth, Trent, you got to be one of these four guys. Now I guess a Kayvon Thibodeau could be in the conversation. It is Trent Balkia after all. Um, But I know, I know it's probably your worst nightmare, but put yourself in Trent Balkia's shoes you got the number one pick. What are your thoughts? It's interesting because 
supposedly Doug Peterson came out, or at least people were saying that Doug Peterson's indicated that he wants an offensive guy. Um, so we've seen, you know, we've seen bulky or we've seen, you know, when he was with the Niners, I, I think, was it bulky who drafted, you know, based on what the coach wants, right. Usually, but you know, I don't know if I see that, especially because they did resign, uh, it was a cam cam Robinson, their offensive tackle. So, you know, they could go offensive. I mean, it's not that they don't need, they couldn't use another offensive tackle and, you know, obviously Aiden Hutchinson seems to be the safe pick because he's been the guy that people have been talking about for, I think weeks now, but I think bulky is the kind of GM who also has placed a higher value on tools and traits. I, you know, I, we, we all remember that he took Alden Smith at number seven overall when we're all like, really? Alden Smith, this guy, who's this guy? Right. So yep. I think even though a guy like Trayvon Walker may not have stats in college production, he definitely uh, exhibits those great physical traits uh, that someone like Bulky would be looking for. Um, so my issue is that a guy like Walker skyrocketed up the draft boards so late in the process. And, you know, something like that always raises a red flag for me because it's like, why wasn't he considered a top pick at season's end? You know, and I don't even know if he was projected as a first rounder at the beginning of the season or at the beginning of this process by some of the draft pundits. So I think it's definitely a risk to get, take a guy like Trayvon Walker, uh, number one overall. But I think Falky is going to take, take take that leap of faith and take Walker number one. All right. Well, that's again, I guess I guess with this draft, nothing is going to be too much of a surprise because it is so jumbled. Uh, as you can say, but that leads us to number two and the Detroit Lions. Uh, I don't know if, if Balky is your worst nightmare. I guess Dan Campbell can't be far behind. So if you're Dan, if you're Dan Campbell, are you taking your full 10, 12 minutes to run up there with the Aiden Hutchinson uh, <laughs> card? I mean, it, it, if anything, that seems like the only slam dunk is if the guy from Michigan who grew up in Michigan, went to the University of Michigan, becomes the cornerstone of the Detroit Lions. I mean, is there any is there any question there? Not at all. I mean, I'm sure the Lions were sweating it out the last few months because I'm sure Hutchinson's the guy that they wanted all along. Um, but yeah, once it became once it becomes clear that Hutchinson can be their guy, I'm sure they're gonna take their time, you know, let you know make make that phone call. They're going to, you know, have ESPN and NFL network show the call that they're making. And, and then, you know, however minutes into it, then they'll make that pick. All right. So you got both edge rushers off the board. One, two, um, moving on to the Houston Texans. Texans, I guess, could go a number of ways. I, I would think that they were hoping for one of those edge rushers to fall to them. Um, the next couple guys on the board, at least consensus ranking wise, would kind of be those offensive tackles. You could look at Kayvon Thibodeau as the third edge rusher. You can look at Kyle Hamilton, the safety, but you're Nick Casario down in Houston. Who are you going with? Um, I think Houston will be tempted by Kayvon Thibodeau uh, of Oregon, but 
I think they'll wait till their second first round pick at 13 to address edge rusher. I think they'll feel like they can still get a good player there. Maybe a George uh, Karloftis of Purdue at number 13. So at three, I think they'll take one of the powerhouse offensive tackles that's available uh, in either Ikem Akwanu or Evan Neal. Uh, Cause I think they'll want to protect, I guess is their guy, Davis Mills. <laughs> All right. Who, which, who do you want to give them? So I think they're going to go with Ekwanu. I think he's, Ekwanu is a beast uh, in the trenches who only allowed, I believe, two sacks in more than 820 snaps at left tackle in 2021. So I think at three, they're going to take the tackle out of NC State. Moving on to the New York Jets, their first of two very early first-round picks. Um, they invested their first-rounder in Zach Wilson last year. They, they've got to be looking to do something to make a vault into the competitive category, especially in the AFC East. So looking at them, I see their biggest needs as Ed Rusher, corner, wide receiver. There's a couple guys, and I don't even know if they would be slam dunks. You're talking about Sauce Gardner, the corner from um, Cincinnati. I still think it's a little early for – almost any of the receivers, especially if you're the Jets, and you got another pick coming up in about six picks. So your, your shiny head, Robert Sala, who are you taking? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they're going to wait till 10 to grab a receiver. So at four, I think they're looking at either Kayvon Thibodeau mm-hmm. uh, or Sauce Gardner. Um, and – I, I'm, you know, I think, uh, or, or, or I think, you know, given the injury issues, uh, to Makai Becton, they might even be considering Evan Neal at four, but, uh, I think just with Kayvon Thibodeau still on the board and them needing a, an edge rusher, the Jets can't bypass him. And I know that he's been a player that has had some controversy of late, but he's also been a player who was projected to be number one overall, at least at the beginning of the season. Um, and he did tally 19 sacks and 35 and a half tackles for loss. So I'm sure the Jets would just have to hope that Thibodeau's college dominance would carry over to the NFL. Kayvon Thibodeau goes number four to the Jets. Giants with the first of two out of the next three picks. So they've got to be thinking right now, how did Evan Neal, who could have gone number one, fall all the way to us? And that is our biggest need. I mean, exactly. And that's, that's why that there's, that's a no brainer at that point. John, New York giants, they take Evan Neal offensive tackle Alabama. So here's here is the Carolina Panthers. This is kind of a turning point. There could be a turning point because the Panthers need a quarterback. Is any of this is Pickett or Willis worthy of this number six pick because unlike the 49ers who have no problem drafting a quarterback that early and then sitting them on the bench for a year, the Panthers aren't going to have that luxury. This guy is going to have to, if they go quarterback, he's going to have to start if they go that way. So do they go that way? Man, the Panther situation is so weird right now because you have basically head coach, and current starting quarterback, you know, quote unquote, starting quarterback, Sam Darnold, 
kind of in limbo. Like we don't know if either of guy will be there after this season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I actually don't believe that any of these quarterbacks that are in this year's draft deserve to be taken in the top 10. Mm-hmm. So if the Panthers do reach for a quarterback, I believe they're going to have to just, you know, shoot their shot and go Malik Willis out of Liberty just because as far as from a tool standpoint, I mean, this guy's got it, got it right. I mean, he's got the athleticism, he's got the arm, but when I watch him play quarterback and have to read a defense and go through progressions, that's when I'm like, this guy's a project. This guy's going to, he can't start. I don't think, I don't think he can start now. I could be wrong, but I just don't think that it would be good for him to be starting game one or, you know, for sure not game one, but even his rookie season. Um, so I think, I mean, I don't know enough about the Panthers to, to know what direction their GM will want to go in, whether or not they're, he, he's just like, look, we we're going to take a quarterback just because we need to start the process. Or if they're going to be like, look, we need an offensive tackle in the worst way. And so maybe they go Charles Cross of Mississippi state. They did take a corner with their first round pick last year who then got hurt. But I mean, by all accounts, sauce Gardner of Cincinnati is high up on everybody's board so they can go in that direction as well. So here's my, here's my not problem, but here's the conundrum for the Panthers is you just mentioned it. They drafted JC Horn last year with their number one pick. They signed CJ Henderson um, as, as basically to play opposite. They have Jeremy Chin um, as their strong safety. So kind of the next couple guys that you would think or look at ranking wise, you're Kyle Hamilton, a safety from Notre Dame. Um, you mentioned Sauce Gardner or even Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU. They just don't fit the need of the Panthers, a team that needs to win now. Like, they're not, you can't draft for depth. You're drafting a starter. And if you draft, you can't draft another corner. I mean, it'd be great. It's an abundant, you can't have enough corners, I guess, in today's NFL, unless you just don't have starters at other positions. So I think it comes down to Malik Willis or Charles Cross here. And I don't think either one is really enticing for the Panthers. So which one do you want to give them? I say they go Charles Cross. Now, let me just pause here because during our last exercise, when we were talking about this, this was the pick that the Panthers in our exercise that I offered the Niners. So if the Niners are sitting here again, they're not sitting there with, you know, the instant starter. Now sauce Gardner, good, but again, that's where they just spent their, their one prized free agent at cornerback. Um, you know, I guess you could go Kyle Hamilton if you if you feel that you're not bringing back Jaquaski Tart and Jimmy Ward's going to be you know leaving next year. But again, you're talking about a guy who isn't going to have an impact this year. And although we saw it last year by drafting you know Trey Lance at number three, not having an impact in his rookie year, the Niners aren't opposed to that. So again, this this goes to that. Even though the number six pick sounds awfully appealing, you got to look at this and go. I mean. I'd ra- I'd almost rather have I'd rather have ten I'd I'd rather go back I'd rather go back to that Jets trade and go shoot give me ten and a third and you know something next year because ten is almost better than six 
in terms of you're going to have a guy of equal talent, but you're not going to be forcing him into this top 10, you know, rotation. So, but we'll give Charles Cross to um, the Panthers, bringing back the New York York Giants, who we just gave Evan Neal. So any feeling here is is now Sauce Gardner just too good to pass up for, for, for them? Yeah, I think so. I think if Sauce Gardner is still on the board for the Giants, no question that they take Gardner. And if, as far as the Niners, if they did end up making a deal with the Panthers and acquiring the number six pick, I think first and foremost, their, their ideal scenario would be to trade down, right? Their ideal scenario would be if there was a team that wanted to trade up to get Malik Willis because I think, you know, the next couple of teams after the Giants, whether it be the Falcons or the Seahawks, you know, they want to jump ahead of them and, you know, in case that they, in, in case Willis is on, you know, on their board as the player that they wanted in the first round, they'll need to get ahead of those guys. So the hope is that like a team like the Steelers, you know, has, if they have their eye on Willis, that they jump up and trade with the Niners and the Niners would trade down from that number six pick. That brings up the Atlanta Falcons. You have any feeling for the Falcons? Because they basically signed Mariota as their Band-Aid quarterback, but they had an opportunity last year to draft the the next their next franchise quarterback in, in shoot Mac Jones, Justin Fields. They could have made a run at the top three, but they decided not to. They went Kyle Pitts last year. What are the pan? What are the what are the Falcons doing right now? Well, that's the thing. I think. I mean, I I, I like Kyle Pitts. I'm sure everybody likes Kyle Pitts. But I, the Falcons should have taken a quarterback with their first pick last season. So because they didn't do that last season, I think they're, they have no choice but to take Malik Willis this season at number eight. Division rival Seattle Seahawks are now on the board. Now, keeping one thing I was going to mention, we went eight picks. That's the first skill position to come off the board, which is you know very rare. So that's something to keep in mind. But Seattle Seahawks, number nine. We'll do two more picks and then put a bow on this podcast because I still have to dig deep. The, the The depth of this of this draft is just crazy. As you're starting to go, did I really see enough of Charles Cross to think? Oh yeah, number six. So no, I, I you know I wouldn't say that Charles Cross is a number six pick. I would just say when it comes to the Panthers, I think they're they just they need a who who is their starting offensive tackle. Who's that? The Panthers? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I feel like it's been a revolving door for them the past, gosh, however many years since Jordan Gross retired. Yeah, you're looking at, uh, according to their current depth chart, um, Cam Irving uh, is with them and Taylor Moton. Yeah, I mean, either one of them could be bumped very easily for that. Exactly. For the next guy, but um, Seattle, you're, you're, you're Pete Carroll and John Schneider. I think this is where Kyle Hamilton has to be the pick. I mean, he slid this far. Um, I don't, th- I think, I think the Seahawks yep. will be the, will be the team that finally ends his night in the green room, assuming he will be in the green room. Totally agree. I think, I think this is one of those picks that you look back and you, in a couple of years, and you're like, how did Kyle Hamilton, you know, last till nine? Not that he's going to be Ed Reed or anything like that, but 
he's going to be a guy who is a perennial pro bowler, playmaker. Uh, Pete Carroll's going to put him in the best possible positions to be successful. And, you know, it's going to be where Niner fans look at Seattle and go like, how'd they get this guy? Why? How did, how does Seattle always get these guys? You know? So yeah, I hate the fact that Seattle can get a Kyle Hamilton, but man, Um, he's going to, he's going to be a great player. All right. So now, now you are the jets uh, with your second pick. This was also a pick that was discussed earlier on as a possible trade option with, I guess, pie in the sky um, trade option. If the jets were willing to go this direction, but, what are you entertaining right now with your the the New York Jets? I think at this point, since wide receivers been on their radar, and they want to trade for they wanted to trade for a Tyreek Hill, seemingly they're interested in acquiring Debo Samuel. I think at number ten, if they don't make a trade, then they're going to go with Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State. Yep, I totally agree, and here's why I think the Jets won't make this trade of number 10 for Debo Samuels because they are looking at this as we have to give up multiple assets to acquire Debo Samuel, a very good player, or we can take the number one or two. Maybe if Garrett Wilson goes, if you're looking at Chris Olave or Drinkland, we're going to, we have our pick of wide receivers that we don't have to pay. Who's going to be one year, you know, behind our rookie quarterback who can grow together. So this is, that's one reason I think the Jets are, aren't willing to part with number 10 is because you're get your, yes, you're getting Debo, but you're going to have to pay him max money. And now you don't get that young guy to go along. Now that's why the Jets who are sitting there going, well, if you wanted our two twos and next year's one, can you imagine if you're the Jets and you just, you walked out of there with Kayvon Thibodeau, Garrett Wilson, and Debo Samuel, you know, and it's like, great, pack it up, boys. Like, we, it, the rest of the draft doesn't even matter. Like, we could take six punters to, you know, which I know Jeff would love, you know, and, and still be a successful draft. So, that's but I think, but I think that's why, you know, A, I don't look at it from that standpoint, because clearly they were looking at Tyreek Hill. They weren't, they're not necessarily looking at, Hey, we're good with a, but they weren't, but they weren't, but they weren't considering 10 is my point is they were going like, yeah, we'll give you two twos, a three, a six. Like we'll give you that. Like number of it. We're not parting with 10. Right. And did they get Tyreek Hill? No, but again, exactly. but But, but they're sitting there going, that's we're not we're not overpaying like we made our best offer like yeah we could have got Tyreek Hill by giving up number 10 no doubt about it but they didn't so the fact that they didn't means to me they weren't willing to part with that and if they weren't willing to part with it for Tyreek I don't think they're gonna be willing to part with it for Debo because you're you're in the same situation you're getting this receiver at a hot, now you're gonna have to give him a new contract, and you know we're not doing that. Like again, that's just reading the tea leaves about how they went about making their offer. You can give me two twos, a three, and a five, or you can give me number ten. And they basically said, no, we're not giving you number ten. You can go two two. Oh, okay, we're gonna go somewhere else. Okay, fine. I mean, because they could have easily countered with that. So. 
we'll see. Um, but I think I think that's a great idea, a great thing going through those top tens. I think we nailed some picks. I think number one is obviously going to you know dictate how a few things fall, but I think Balky, you know, making the making the picks like we did, you know, just comes in sound. It fits a lot of needs. It fits a lot of historical background on what these teams have done. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We're going to, you know, I think we'll try and dive in one more time before the, the start of the first round next week and, and kind of talk more about the Niners picks, more about how these things shape up. Who knows? Every week brings something new. Jimmy could be traded. Someone else could demand a trade. Things are crazy in 49 land. But before we get out of here, Jerry, your final thought. So I was in Tahoe this last weekend. So unfortunately, I did not get to see uh, the the opening of the USFL games live as they were being played. Um, but I did see bits and pieces. And I just feel like the NFL should take note of some of the cool things the USFL are doing and perhaps poach some of those ideas from them, like as the clip that you sent me, Todd, the one where – you know, you had replay official Mike Pereira making the replay announcement in real time. I think just bringing the fan live into the action is always a good thing, whether it be that, whether it be those drone cameras that get you that real close-up view of the action, like you are literally on the field. I mean, I've always talked about this even with uh, when it comes to baseball, like whenever they have the mics on all the players and you hear them you know, communicating live or they're even talking to the, the announcers, which I always found a little bit weird, but they're talking to the announcers. And then all of a sudden like, Oh, I gotta go make a play. And they make a play. I think that's like the coolest thing. So to me, I think that should be the next evolution in sports broadcasting, whether it be baseball, you know, basketball, hockey, but definitely football where you get, you're in on the action. I think that should be, hopefully the NFL takes note. um, And I think the USFL probably had a really good first weekend because I think I've only heard, <clears throat> heard good things. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the USFL is entertaining. I think it's a great learning ground and trial area for a lot of these things that the NFL might be considering. It's, it's, it's always nice to talk about them in the boardroom and think that these are great ideas, but until you actually put them into practice and see how the workflow goes and see how they actually, you know, work, um, USFL is the perfect training ground for all of these things. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, my final thought stems off of something that I always, I always thought would be a great idea, but never knew how it was going to be accomplished. And that is, I don't know if you saw it. Um, American Express now, now has, if you buy a team jersey with your American Express card and they get traded, you get to exchange your jersey for another one. And I thought, how inc- how genius is this? I mean, not only do you get American Express going, hey, use our card and, you know, it, it, they're going to get their money. And if you're a fan, it's like, this is your uniform insurance like if something happens and i bring this up because as an oakland a's fan (laughs) boy this would be put into a lot of good news (laughs) over the years right you know and and my son who really we went to a game last year he wanted an a's jersey he really wanted an a's jersey 
Um, so we, we went to the stand and he went, he's thinking, Oh, should I get the Olsen? Should I get the Chapman? Should I get the Mania? And I'm like, eh, you know, <laughs> I'm looking at it from a little, you know, broader historical point of view going, Oh, you know, that it's really cool for this year, but boy, I don't know. Um, he ended up going with a Ricky Henderson. So again, timeless, no problem there. Ricky Henderson will always be associated, you know, his greatness with, with Ye. So I just saw this and I'm like, American Express, wow, what a genius concept for sports fans. So now this uh, deal be- with American Express only applies to the NFL or to all sports. I, they've been promoting it during NBA games. So I don't know if it's just NBA or others. And who knows? Maybe the fine print says not, you know, Oakland A's cannot be, you know, <laughs> does not apply to the Oakland. Does not apply. Does not apply to you know the Oakland A's. So I don't the know. Fine but, print. What uh, about what about free agency? See, that's another thing. If, no, they, is it no, just trades? No, they just said trades. So mm. if if your favorite player leaves because he chose to leave, well, that's on you. But yeah. So again, I'm there's there's more kinks to be worked out. I'm sure for the fan and look these these. Companies that make billions and billions don't make billions and billions of dollars by just giving things away. So I'm sure there's something, but they're marketing it to the right crowd. The sports fan who has tears in his eye when he hears your, your player has been traded. So interesting, interesting uh, idea. With that said, six days away from the draft, it's time to lock yourself in the dark room, watch those clips, dig into the scouting report. I don't know. Keep your ear to the ground about what's happening with Jimmy and Debo and, and the Niners. So if anything happens, I think we'll come right back on and, and do a little emergency podcast. Should something one of these guys get traded? We, we were saying last month, oh, as soon as Jimmy gets traded, we'll, we're going to have a podcast and talk about the ramifications. Well, we're still waiting for that podcast to take place. So with that said, I hope everyone enjoyed the first round. Hope everyone enjoyed talking about and listening to our takes on Debo. It's draft season. It's exciting. Even if the Niners, this is the most exciting draft for the 49ers who don't have a first round draft pick ever. It's gotta be. So with that said, for Jerry, I'm Todd. Thanks for listening to Three Sides Sports. Like this uh, podcast, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies. What the heck? You know, we will see you next week. Good night.